0: Welcome to episode 30 of Sound Pollution, this week featuring the Groove Birds. Per usual, we are going to be discussing what inspires them, their creative process, and the truth behind some of their tracks. They are super, super cool. It has some fantastic advice and stories to share, so please stay for all the fun. Also, I really, really need everyone to subscribe to this podcast. It helps and I need just as many subscribers as I have downloads. Uh, It makes growing easier. It makes the podcast easier to find. It helps me get and or keep sponsors, so I'd really appreciate it. Also, if you haven't done so yet and you are interested, please consider becoming a patron. Patreon page link is down below. Lastly this week, uh, Pollution has joined TikTok and Snapchat. And I've discovered that I'm really getting old, because I have no fucking idea how to use either one of these halves. Uh, but please consider adding me. The podcast can be found by searching Sound Pollution P. That's S-O-U-N-D-P-O-L-L-U-T-I-O-N-P. And enjoy the show. I am here with the Groovebirds. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves to my listeners? Hey,
1: um, my name is Tracy, and I play bass and uh, guitar for the
2: Groove Birds. And I'm Rod Coleman. I play keys, and I play drums, mostly drums.
0: And how did you guys get together?
1: Well, we met um, in the first blues band I was playing in, and um, we played together for a year before we even like went out and had coffee. We were playing in a in kind of a blues rock band in Portland, Oregon. We met in Portland, Oregon, playing music,
2: basically. Yeah, we started out as a rhythm section. Yeah,
1: we played bass and drums, so we were a rhythm section.
2: Yeah, we we couldn't get our foot in the door in the blues scene, so we (laughs) kind of went our own way.
0: But I can definitely hear the blues influence in your music, so that makes some sense to me. Um, Yeah, I love the blues.
1: I'm a huge fan of the blues. I'm a huge fan of jazz blues rock i love um i just i always have loved it you know it's just always kind of i've gravitated toward it you know you have your niche you like what you sound like and i think i tend to be a little bit more of a blues blues rock type of person
2: i can take it or leave it (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's cool i i i appreciate the blues i'm just not a i'm i'm not as as uh, he likes, diehard.
1: He likes crazy. progress. I like 90s grunge too a lot.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, they're very, also heavily influenced by like blues and country sort of together.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. If, if you think about it, like the American music was jazz and blues, really. You know, everything mm-hmm. rooted off of that, I think. if If people were to look back in the history, I mean, if you think about jazz. It was like one of the great American art forms. Jazz is a great art form. And the blues, you know, that came before that even, you know.
0: Um, what would you say your genre is? Or do you think you can't even really be pigeonholed into like an area?
2: Yeah, it'd be tough. We're, we're all over the map. Unfor- I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, I guess, depending on how you look at it. Um, we, we, we call it alt contemporary or alternative alt soft yeah art, something yeah I like don't that.
1: know it's like I always just think of it as just you know it, original music's tough because mm-hmm. people either like it or they don't and in a way I think that in some ways Raynell I think a lot of our stuff has kind of a sound of the 70s and even maybe the I mean it's it's different like it's I mean I think I I just I think we just play what we feel, and maybe people either like it or they don't. But like if you look at each of our albums, there's something there's there's something bluesy, there's something um, alternative. I mean, there's some Rod writes a lot a lot of stuff in different time signatures, you know. So mm-hmm.
2: yeah, our influences are pretty uh, wide, pretty diverse. Um, for for me, I started out as a as a big fan of Motown when I was a kid um where I grew up it was kind of a in the early 70s I'll go ahead and date myself um it was a little bit bit, uh just we were starting to feel the effects out in rural America um that you know the the effects of the turbulent times of the late 60s yeah I guess I always call myself kind of a closet um Motown fan, because it just, it it wasn't like I would have been beaten for my, my, my uh, tastes. Um, Having said that, nobody really got into it. It was more of a a rock thing, um, which gave me kind of another influence into the, into the rock field. And um, from there, I, I delved into a little pop. I was a big fan of Elton John. Um, Yeah. Still had the, still had the rock, a feeling going into the the progressive stuff than some of the Brit pop and um, bands like Jethro Tull, um, Rush, I, I liked those guys a lot. Um, yes, I'm a big, still to this day, Kansas, bands like that. Wow. Um, but I've just kept that little bit of a pop, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Bernie Taupin, frankly, and Elton as well. Um, so that's kind of the side I bring to it. And then Tracy's yeah, I listen to a lot of music, you know, because I was, I, for, for a while I was a
1: disc jockey, a long while, and so we, you would spend <laughs> everything, you know, um, everything. I did, I like music in general. I think it's like the universal language and sound yeah. is so um, immense, you know what I mean. You can get sound from anywhere. But if I were to say, I remember like my mom. Listening to spinning records listening to she listened to a lot of Cat Stevens. She listened to Janice Joplin. She listened oh, Janice to, uh, yeah, yeah, I heard a lot of Cat Stevens a lot of Janice Joplin a lot of uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix and um, and then I heard a lot of uh, You know Fleetwood Mac was huge um, and mm-hmm. I heard a lot of, unfortunately where I was I grew up on a, on a horse ranch in Colorado So I heard a lot of country and I heard a lot of Waylon, and I heard a lot of Willie, and I heard a lot of stuff. And then I I really um, gravitated in the 90s. I was in Denver, and I was huge, loving Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains. I liked that 90s sound a lot, but I will say, without, I've always been a huge fan of Texas Blues as well. ZZ Top, I love them. Stevie Ray Vaughn. Yeah, well, huge. Favorite of Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, he was great. Um, his bass player, I love so much, Tommy Shannon. And mm-hmm. you know, I really liked, um, you know, Allison Chains, Jerry Cantrell, such a huge, uh, great guitarist. And and even the Stone Temple Pilots stuff. I like their stuff. And they were coming out of San Diego. Um, it's all over the map. But I think for me, I just, I just play what I am. You know, uh-huh. I what I am. And so I, I'm pretty much uh, just true to myself, for better or for worse. And I don't know if that's it, – it's a hard thing um, because I don't – I just write more like – I'm more like a, a story songwriter, a story singer. That's what right. I consider myself, a story singer, okay. a bass player, first and foremost, guitar but a story singer, so I write about things that have happened to me, I write about things that I've seen, and I've been fortunate enough, I have had, you know, more than one career, I haven't just been a musician, though I've been around music since I was probably 12,
0: you know? So, I mean, I think it's good when when you don't actually have a genre, because then you get to, especially as an independent musician, because there's no one telling you what you have to do. You get to do exactly what you feel. And if you don't stick yourself in one little mold, then you get to experiment and play and really be true to yourself. And I find that a lot of independent musicians that I've spoke to kind of are like, I guess I'll just say I'm Americana because I like everything. I do everything. It's hard to pick just one thing.
1: I mean, I've always said indie rock, you know, Americana. Mm-hmm. We really are um, a product of this country and this country's music and all the huge amount of influence. And I'm always, I've always been a huge fan of guitar, like a great guitarist. Yeah. Um, or a great, you know, like Rod really likes piano, and he plays it, and like it's just a different sound. I really, I've always loved horns, like the sound of saxophone, or you know, even you know lots of different influences in music you know it's sound you know
0: it's sound it's sound with feeling yeah it's
1: a beautiful thing i think and and i'm also a strong uh i believe that women in music you know really support women in music yes i like to see that and i i really like to see what's happening to my sisters in music and, and everywhere all over the country right now there's just a really a little bit of a change and it's it's been a, a long haul in a lot of ways you know what i'm saying
0: it's been a long time coming i just went to the rock and roll hall of fame a couple weeks ago and they have uh you know the list of the people you can vote for for the next year yeah and i was floored that some of the women on that list weren't already in the rock and roll hall of fame and yeah, the, And a lot of men who came after them, not that they weren't important in their own way, but like some of these women were groundbreaking. Uh, Tina Turner. Oh, yeah. Just sure. now nominated. Just now, like.
1: Just, yeah, yeah. At the end of her career. I mean, I guess that means that you better play music because you love it and you better be into it to, you know, because so many people don't get any accolades at all for it you know and they do it because they love it and and i guess there's something to be said for that you know if you like we played a lot of times in some bands we played in country band blues band rock band is a rhythm section and you know eventually and Rod was kind of instrumental in in pointing out this that if you don't play your own music before you know it you know your life's over and you never really followed your true heart
0: oh wow that's really deep and i kind of needed to hear that today yeah, like, like
2: well, i probably didn't put it that eloquently but
0: <laughs>
1: well, it's the truth for everybody like times are tough uh right you know it and there's a uh, lot of people that are are really struggling right now and and i've seen it you know and i've i've firsthand seen it let's just put it that way in my my uh kind of first solid career that I've done for a lot of years, I've seen firsthand how a person's life can change immediately. In seconds, your life can be something totally different and change forever. And I I never, I I consider it an honor and a privilege to play music. Um, And I think that all types of music, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are a little bit uppity about their music and it's sad to me because there's so much music out there and there's so many people that deserve to be heard but aren't because of whatever thing they maybe they didn't have enough money to to scrape together to put together a cd or or maybe like i i always feel and then i'm probably going to talk a little less because i feel like i'm i'm pounding my partner I'm galloping over yeah but I mean like <laughs> if you are gonna put out music I I think like for us we try to put out CDs that are good yeah we're gonna we got another one in the works we're gonna figure out how to do that and if you've got to work 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 to get enough money together to put your 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 CD to go into a good studio and put your CD out the way you want it to sound then that's that's what they that's what you've got to do and that's what we do you know we've got three out And we go into studios that are reputable and we go with people that we know are going to give us a good product Mm -hmm. and we want a good sound. Because if you think about it, the possibility of these existing long after I'm gone may occur, you know, and he's going to hear me or maybe someday somebody's going to hear me and go, wow. But most importantly, is if one song that I play or sing or Rod plays or sings, affects somebody or makes their life better or makes them think in a different way, then I think it's worth it.
2: Well, we have a little confession to make, I think, too, on that um, topic is we're not really sharp technically. Um, (laughs) The only reason I bring that up is that on the flip side of what she just said, I think the opportunity is is better than ever for people to produce their own music because of the, the technological advances that have happened since i was a kid and um it's a great thing it's it it's opened the uh, markets wide open i mean there's too many too many stations you can't keep a track of everything but i don't know that that's a bad thing i don't know that the the death or the dying of the monolith as it as it were um, it's such a bad thing. Um,
0: well, I think it's been an, a great equalizer because if you ever wanted your stuff listened to, you had to get it on a label, you had to this, that, and the other. Yeah. And now I can make a song in my living room and have it on the internet in you know minutes.
2: Exactly. That's wonderful that, that people can, even, with, even if you're not really able to play an instrument, you can still realize the creative... Ideas in your head through technology. It's it's kind of great. A lot of people look down on that. I suppose Um, mm-hmm. I personally don't I think it's great. I think you should study five to eight hours a day in the shed. Oh <laughs> j-
1: j- 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 sure,
2: cool. yeah, you, and you could churn your own butter, too. That'd be great fun. Yeah,
1: I, I don't <laughs> know I, I I will agree with Rod there, but the instruments my instruments of choice require practice Right if gonna be good and all of them bass guitar and even your voice you know what I mean like that's the one I probably spend no time on and I should spend more time on it but I also think maybe sometimes people are just born with certain voices that speak Mm -hmm. to people or not
0: it's great to have the availability to do it from your living room and you don't have to wait on that big label because I really feel like major labels are kind of evil not kind of they're evil (laughs) (laughs) Especially as a woman, if you do get on one, then there's all these little strings attached to what you can and cannot do, how you can and cannot look, what you can and cannot say. I mean, it's the same for guys, too, but it's harder for women. Um, you know, you, you yeah. gain pounds, they want to shut you down. What if you're
1: old, what if you're an older musician? That's Yeah. That's
0: yeah. I think that I think that people
1: have something to say at every age. And really, like, what you know at 30 isn't what you know at 60.
0: And a great example of that is Joni Mitchell, because, you know, she can write she can sing the same song she wrote in her 20s, in her in her 60s. And it means a whole different thing and the way she executes. It's a whole different. You know, and, but it's because the wisdom that comes with time. Yeah. Well,
1: you, I mean, it's hard to know whether you like it or not. So you must, <laughs> you must be OK with it,
0: you know. Um, so, Rod, what would you say got you started in music?
2: My earliest memories of playing drums for sure were uh, weren't really drums. I remember vividly dragging uh, buckets and things out um, from under the kitchen sink and beating on them I had a a, a toy drum set when I was a kid um, my 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 father played guitar he listened to a lot of country music I, I was never into it but I suppose I probably was turned on to it a little bit. Um, and then I had some formal training in, in grade school. Um, I wanted to play the drums. The first year I was told, no, you can play trombone though," well, because they didn't have, you know, they had too many drummers or whatever. Um, it was a great experience for me. I, I learned a little bit about music notation and, and things like that. Um, but I suppose what really inspired me to play in the capacity that I have over the years, I saw the jazz band play and uh, this little kid was just ripping it up on the drums. They were playing a a more of a Icantina version of uh, Proud Mary. From there I was just kind of sparked to play. I said earlier that I played more drums than keys. I don't know if that's necessarily true anymore. I play drums better than I play keys though. That's that's for sure. The keyboard I was obviously influenced by the the Elton John music there and just the ability to write, you know, to express I think is probably what kept me going in that regard.
0: Tracy, what about you?
1: Well, my mom was a musician and my grandfather was a musician. So I heard a lot of music, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. my grandfather, he was a studio musician in L.A. So he was kind of like during the big band, you know, like he was like a, you know, big band dude. He could play whatever. He played accordion, piano, trombone, trumpet. My mom was like a folk guitarist and a singer. So Mm -hmm. I always would hang out and listen. And my mom was like, you know, she only dated lead guitarists, right? (laughs) Parents got divorced. So it was always like a lead guitarist around. So guitar was around and she hung out with artistic people. And I grew up in an artistic type place back in the day. And so I always, I gravitated toward guitar pretty early, you know, and I just would watch my mom and listen to Uh, what she would play and do and watch chords. And I always just kind of played guitar by ear. But I started to study the bass uh, later in life and study it, like take lessons, learn how to read music, at least bass clef, and really start to... I, I was very driven to play bass as well as I could and to express myself with it. But the bass is not really that much of an interest or that much of an interest, you have to have a band if you're a bass player. You can't really just sit in your room and play bass and write songs, though I do. (laughs) Lately, I tend to write more songs on guitar, though all the blues songs, like a lot of blues songs that I write, are just with bass. Because if you're playing blues bass, you've got a certain, um, like there's a bunch of feels that you want to, play on bass and I just would study the bass and learn these fields when I was studying bass and uh, just sing to it sing to them sing blues to them you know I had mm-hmm. a very specific goal when I started playing bass and that was I wanted to play in a band as soon as possible I wanted it to be a blues band you know so that's what I
2: did
0: what was the first time you played on stage and was that kind of an aha moment for you or was it just absolutely terrifying
2: it was uh a talent show of, of sorts, I suppose, and it was in it was uh, in junior high school, um, and this was in, for me. It was in my rock phase. I was actually playing <laughs> I was actually playing bass in this band too, because uh, now now the tables had turned and there were no bass players. There were drummers everywhere. <laughs> so uh, the first band I played in was with a couple of uh, well, wow. Yeah, the first band that was organized in that period uh, was with a couple of friends um, that played guitar, and then uh, we picked up a drummer. Uh, his name was Pat Yaden. Um, he's actually
0: a, singer a, a now. really good singer.
2: <laughs> he's, he sings with um, Jennifer Batten. She played guitar with uh, Michael Jackson and a few others. She's people, a good guitarist. Um, but anyway, I digress. So that was the that was the big the big show, and um, of <laughs> course we we played a lot of uh, Kiss songs, which <laughs> um, I'm not gonna out and out knock them, you know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, they were, <laughs> and um, it was. I don't know that that actually turned me. I think I was already pretty committed to doing something, but. Um, that was the first time I remember being on stage and and uh, it, it was kind of a it was kind of nervy for sure yeah definitely
1: yeah mine was in Portland Oregon at some blues jam and I I am literally I literally used to get sick I couldn't even eat I get stage fright I have terrible it you it's better now it's it's yeah still get it I still get it but it's I figured out how to not look out if there's an audience like we've played to so many different people and then just time like we traveled in 2019 like all over the country playing music and sometimes you play to a lot of people or a few people or nobody (laughs) was like pretending like the chairs were an audience that's what i was like wow there's nobody here but the chairs are here so here we go i always try to do it like i'm playing to like thousands of people even if I'm playing to nobody just it's in my mind you know what i mean but i'm afraid of the audience so i had to look out over people and that's what i learned some guy at a blues jam that was a sax player taught me that you just don't even look at people cuz i get pretty nervous you know people people are scary to me sometimes you know especially when you're i'd rather be on stage than in the crowd you know what i mean i feel more comfortable up there on stage like a better place to be than in the, in the scene, you know, in the scene down in there, you know what I mean? That seems a little bit like, like dicey down with the people, anything could happen. I'd rather be in the back with my bass.
0: Let's talk about Time It Takes. Tell me about that song. So Time It Takes
1: was written in Portland, Oregon.
0: um, And it
1: was written uh, during a time when I suddenly uh, began to realize that the city had changed and was changing and the people in the city were also changing and Mm -hmm. i realized that it didn't feel like home anymore and what it was was i moved to portland oregon in 2000 in in 2000 from Mm -hmm. seattle washington and in a time when it was still pretty much a really cool place to be and time it takes was written when I realized that I thought people were, you know, one of the lines is, um, you don't smell the smoke as it fills the air. Like, the whole city was becoming this polluted, overcrowded place, and nobody seemed to notice it. And I was like, uh, you don't get it. Like, this, the whole place is changing, and, you know, there's birds flying. You don't see the birds as they fly away. Nobody's realizing what's happening to our world. Nobody's seeing what's going on? Nobody is connecting to nature anymore. They they don't even see the haze, even if it's all around them. You know, it's like, what's happening? And so that was kind of where that came from. You know, it just had like a little bit of a funky kind of an octave baseline to it. And, and I just was like, wow, um, this town has changed and it's going to continue to change. And I don't really belong... I don't feel like I belong here anymore. You know, that was I I just was kind of the beginning of me realizing that things were starting to change and that eventually I knew I was going to have to leave a town that I really um, loved and kind of grew up in, you know.
0: Delilah and Samson
1: that was a song that was written um for my last horse believe it or not I mean most people, most people don't even I mean it's so such a dark like I tend to write really dark uh lyrics but I wrote it um <laughs> I wrote it the day I had to put my horse down he was 30 years old and his name was Aww. Sam and I loved him he was I, t- I have him tattooed on my right arm I love that horse. I, so I rescued so him great. from Slaughterhouse. Yeah, and he, I was so kind of distraught that I just came home and I started making this weird little bass line, and it just, the music just flows. Like, with songs for me, it just comes when it comes. You know what I mean? I don't, uh, I I don't, I, I don't like sit there every day and like, okay, I'm going to write three songs today. I'm going to write four songs today. I'm going to write five songs today. It's not how it works for me. Personally, for me, I have, it just, something opens up and it comes. And, and, and it's it's usually in response to something I've observed or had to experience. That was exactly what that was about. The lyrics were dark and I was sad when I wrote it because I, I had, my friend had died.
0: I'm so sorry. He was a good, I, he had a good life. I had to put my dog down uh last year and I'd had her for and then people were like oh it's no big deal you know dogs die every day I was like you don't understand
1: it's your friend it's like I and you know that's that's something I've I've never I don't eat meat and I haven't eaten meat since I was since 1993 and I I can't do it I can't can't do it even when I was a young girl I, I didn't like it it's like I like To me, they're part of the family. Like I have a dog here; he's at our feet right now. His name is Bowie because he has one brown eye and one blue eye.
3: Yes. All of them,
1: (laughs) you know. I used to rescue ferrets too. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, enough. Sorry to me. Don't get. Don't start me talking.
2: It's no. It it is tough to lose a dog. I grieve more for a dog than I have people sometimes.
1: But the thing is, is look at how loyal animals can be. Oh, they're fantastic. yeah, like they give you so much. And people could take, in my opinion, a big education about how the beauty of animals and how much they've suffered in silence. Um, we really, in my opinion, have, have done a little bit of a bad turn to some of them.
2: Yeah, compare okay. that loyalty to, say, uh, a publisher. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> a record company. Business. It's a business. and they're- It is right. true. That's why I always turf the business that off on my partner, Rod. He's, he's, he's better at business. Like, I'm a little too mercurial for it. I'm just like,
2: ooh, I got to go.
0: Yeah, you're like, ooh, I feel the weird ugly.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's better at it. I always, like, hide behind him for that. You it's,
2: just take a lot of showers. It's
1: okay. Yeah, no, I, just, yeah I, I can't deal with it because it really has nothing to do with the music.
0: about the next ask you about the next two tracks. They're off um I guess the recent release. Uh, yeah. First one is called Prelude. I really liked that. That's oh, Rod. Okay.
1: Rod wrote that song. I li- okay,
0: Ron, I really like the piano in that. Just I need to personally tell you that that is very beautiful. Awesome. So tell me tell me tell me about that.
2: Um yeah I'm not sure where the, the prelude part kind of came from another song idea. Um, Many times I'll sit down in the morning and play and come up with something. Um, Common Enemy, that piece, was was one that came pretty quickly. Um, I don't characteristically write that way. Usually I write, um, I come up with a a melody, a chorus, and usually a first verse. And then a lot of times it just goes in the drawer for um, an undetermined amount of time. (laughs) um and then i bust out a second verse one day that that happens to hit me and that's the way it happens sometimes um Mm -hmm. common enemy i actually got all at once pretty much um and it's it's it was i guess that lyrically it was more about the um i think it was influenced by the the craziness social media and that kind of thing Mm. that and a little bit of uh congress thrown in perhaps i don't know it's it's not really that political it's but it is a a tad um the prelude part though was was actually another piece and mm-hmm. um electronic string lines were act. that part was written by phil carroll and he's he's the keyboard player that plays with us on the album and whenever we can live yeah he's the third he's the
1: unspoken third grouper <laughs> But when we when we left Portland, Oregon, you know, he wasn't coming with us. We moved out here to New Mexico because we wanted to play music, you know, and we mm-hmm. wanted to live like you know how expensive Portland was. I was oh. I all the time, man, to keep the keep the. We both were working, and out here, it's it's a way better scene, you know. Unfortunately, COVID has kind of yeah you know been a big pain in the butt for music, but we before the coves when when we found we found a little house out here in new mexico on the colorado new mexico border and
2: it's just a way mellower lifestyle you know it's phil phil played a long time though before he met us um the the story of us meeting phil is kind of weird we played this little saturday market gig yeah uh, in portland and um we we were in the blues rock thing in a band called navigate north um, with the guitarist brian Tatman and uh we needed some backup for mm-hmm. of reasons um and we i put a an ad in craigslist and it was simply uh needed either keyboards or a rhythm guitar for a crappy gig and he answered it <laughs> so um did you that, literally
0: then, say a crappy gig in the ad
2: yes definitely yeah, oh my yeah, gosh. Word. and um, awesome. he, he said he, he took it because he couldn't believe anybody would say that and he, uh, he also played, he wanted to play some blues. Um, yeah, he's a good he's, player. He's played a lot. Oh, um, and he he's, he's met a lot of those exec types and, and, and gone through the ringer a few times. So that's another reason he didn't tour as much with us and wasn't as excited about all of that as yeah. he, he's got a good life there. He lives outside of Portland a little ways. And, yeah. And, um, yeah. And he's. Kind of been there, done that, and he's he's happy to go in the studio, but he's he's less tolerant of some of the dives that we've wound up in. Yeah, we've
1: played a lot, man. We've played everywhere and a lot of dives, a lot of dives. <laughs> 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 we played some places one time. I'm telling you, we played this place in Portland, and we loaded in, and uh, about halfway through the first set, I was like, man, I I I, sm- hey, I smell shit. <laughs> Can I say that? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, like, dude, I, I I smell shit and I'm, I'm up there and I'm playing and we get halfway, we, we play our first set and I'm like, this is terrible. So I went into the bathroom and just, I kept smelling shit and I, 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 oh my God. And I lifted up my boot and there was dog shit on the bottom of both of my freaking boots. I had I had when we loaded in there was this patch of grass and I guess that's where everybody went and let their dog shit. Oh shit on my boots and I played the first gig, you know, because I knew it because you know I tap my when I'm playing the bass, I tap my foot. You tap your yeah. foot, so every time I tap it, I'd get a whiff of shite <laughs> into my face. And I had to play like the first hour with shite <laughs> wet into my face before. And then I went into this dive bar. Tried to scrub it off my boots and plugged up their sink.
3: <gasps> <laughs> I was us.
1: Awesome. we we played stinkers. That man. used to
2: be a secret, but it's okay because the place is closed. So. Yeah, the place is closed now. They closed
1: it down like they do so many. But like we played the Blue Moon up in Seattle, and that was where like you know Nirvana played, I yeah. guess, a couple times. And that place, I wouldn't even use the bathroom there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not <yeah>. kidding. <laughs> Yeah, no, dive bars. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. It, they're good for you sometimes. They teach you to be strong. <laughs>
0: Hey, and you know, a lot of good bands played at at really crappy dive bars. I mean, if you look at CBGB, it kind of looked like a shitty dive
1: bar. Yeah, you should watch that. Uh, I
0: did. Yeah, did you watch that? That's typical.
1: That's very (laughs) typical, though. That dude, Hilly, would let his dog just poop on the floor.
0: Like, wherever. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine.
2: It's, It's true, though. Well, what do you do? You do the best you can. Well, that that particular dive bar, though, they were pretty good to us. Um yeah, But I'm not. We're not. We're, we're not really choice. sure if they liked our music or uh, one of the uh, one of the bartenders was a big Hunter Thompson fan. He found out that Tracy actually met Hunter.
1: Thompson. Yeah. You, well, uh, I grew up where he was. You know what I mean? And my dad was his buddy. Her they, father,
2: yeah, he was. Yeah. Out with him, and so.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, no, totally. My dad was good friends with Hunter S. Thompson, and they would, like, party together all the time and, oh, leave the room when those guys would start. Those days are, thank God, some of those days are over.
0: the road so that was written um for
1: my niece I wrote a couple songs for my niece actually when she when when things were I think it was just a time when somebody I cared about was um you know struggling a little bit as I say I often write music based on what my experiences are so I was you know just watching things in in the life of somebody I loved fall apart Mm. that was what came out of that you know I was sad for her and she worked it out in the end and is a strong woman and a beautiful woman but sometimes people have to you know we all have to struggle sometimes and it's kind of what gives us character and it's kind of what makes you realize the good times in your life if you've had some of the dark times in your life Mm -hmm. and
0: so
1: I always feel like you know you've this is a you know i'm sure everybody's heard this saying before but it's really quite true it's the courage to change whatever your situation is whether it's i want to leave louisville or <laughs> i got to leave portland or i want to play you know if you if you have the courage to change your life then then all you have to do is follow that you know and that was kind of what that song was about and also like just the fact that the road just goes on forever you know and yeah. you, know, you just keep keep doing your thing, and I, I'm a blues person, really, and that song kind of had a little blues edge to it, and I dig it, you know, I dig the blues, and the guy that played guitar on it is a phenomenal musician, and yeah, he's good, and we've played with a lot of great musicians, we've been lucky, you know, and there's a lot more to be played with, I'm sure, we'll find more good musicians down the road and play with them, you know, the music takes you where the music takes you. Yeah. That's
0: true, and now you're in New Mexico?
1: Yes, we live in New Mexico now, for now, anyway. And Do uh, you guys like it? You know, New Mexico is beautiful. It has a wonder of its own. I grew up in Colorado, then moved to Oregon. So my father's from Albuquerque. He was from Albuquerque. And um, I think, uh, oddly enough, New Mexico is a very beautiful state, which I didn't really know because I'd never checked it out. Mm-hmm. And it's really an affordable state. And mm. There's parts of it that aren't really like there's some phenomenally beautiful and mystical places in New Mexico. So I would say for now, this is a wonderful place to be. It's also pretty much in the middle of the country. So we can branch off into any direction. It's very close to Albuquerque. It's very close to Denver. It's very close mm-hmm. to Austin. It's very close to, you know, New Orleans. I mean, in two or three days, you can be wherever you need to be in the country. And if you want to play music, you got to travel.
0: That's right. Yep. Yeah
2: yeah they, yep. call it the, they call it the land of enchantment yeah um, <laughs> which we didn't find out you know until we got here yeah it's
0: pretty our, our
2: main objective was to get someplace affordable yep. toward the middle of the country to where we could play music we could
0: you go anywhere
2: yeah. and then uh, covid 19 hit and yeah so here we are
0: yeah and now you're not going anywhere no you're
2: but right? you no
1: know, it's, it's almost over yeah and it'll it'll happen and, and I also have a, a pretty solid profession. On the side of playing music, which has always been a good thing to have, you know, so I'm happy there.
3: To know that the road goes on forever Well, until we
0: music special to you specifically
2: i'm i'm struck there I, I i don't know that it is special to me i hate i, I mean and that, that sounds kind of strange but i guess it's the fact that i've always played and it's never really been anything other than kind of a natural thing to do i've never really looked at it as special it just it's another dynamic of of life um it is special though, and it can be, and it brings people together, and it, it moves people in a way that we found out in the last tour. A couple of my favorite gigs have actually been uh, one we played in old folks home uh, for Tracy's father. Yeah, and, my and, dad. Um,
1: my dad was in old folks. It was home.
2: it was pure.
1: Yeah, we went and played. Pure for gift
2: him. and purely appreciated.
1: Yeah, um, another rad.
2: another similar gig was in Newark, New Jersey with an organization called a slice of hope and it was in a homeless shelter and they oh, to, yeah, that was donates right. a bunch of pizza and they hire bands and you can either take us a, a little stipend or we do we donated our performance and, yeah um, for sure
0: that is it, awesome it was, it was the right yes. thing to do yeah, it awesome.
2: was, it was it, it was it was a place where we were fish out of water to say the least and mm-hmm. um but everybody was very appreciative and it, and it really points out that that music has a universal, um, aspect to it. Yeah. And I think that's probably really what I would say makes it special.
1: Well, I will chime in and, and give you my opinion on what makes music special. I think it is the language of the universe. I, I I cannot ever, there was never a time when I haven't been absolutely blown away by music and the, sounds and the ability for the for sound to totally change um a person's life so i i feel like there should be more of it more people should play it it shouldn't be withheld from anybody it should be given freely i i get people need to make money playing it i understand that absolutely it'd be nice It, it is nice to be compensated for your time but i i've never been burned out on it and Every single time I go on stage, it's a different experience. And every single time I sing one of my songs, even if I've sung it a thousand times before, it's a different experience. I like the most about it. It's never the same for me, ever. And the reason it isn't the same is because for me, other than there is a a mathematical equation to music and you've got it, you're in 4-4 time, you're in this time, you're in that time, you're, you're doing this, you're on the upbeat, you're on the downbeat but it is an emotional and emotive experience for me. So I try to touch people with my voice. As I said, I'm more of a a story singer, Mm
3: -hmm. and I
1: try to get them to think in ways with my lyrics that maybe they wouldn't think at, and it's exceedingly difficult because most people do not listen to lyrics. (laughs) They don't listen to original music, and they're... My friend, and I, I used to play with a guitar player, and he, he coined it right. It's the limbic system shuffle, and the limbic system is very much feed or breed. So mm-hmm. most people just want to hear this. Ooh, tuk, ooh, tuk, ooh, tuk, ooh. They want a mating beat. Mm-hmm. right? They want a beat that they can party on down to get themselves some, and, and that's cool. But it's not where I'm at. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I'll hold the bottom down and we'll, we can play the limbic system shuffle all night long. But I'm a lyricist first and foremost. I like what my lyrics say to get in people's head like a worm, you know, and and, and, and make their ear holes listen to something different. And, and I think that, you know, maybe I'm just a dinosaur in, in this world now. And, and I am in a lot of ways think that music could actually change the world if people actually listen to it it's much better than listening to a bunch of lying politicians blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> wouldn't you rather listen to somebody's song yeah, yeah but not all music is good music and there's a lot of people I'm sure that my music isn't their cup of tea but I still strive to make somebody think something like realize they're not alone um uh everybody's sad, everybody's happy, everybody's down, everybody's up, you know, we're all so much more similar than we are different. And the ego in music, in my opinion, doesn't really belong. No, it's, you know, what are you going to save it for? Some ego museum that you put your stuff in at the end of your life? No. No. You know, like, I just, I, I find it very laughable that some people think that they're so amazing. Like, you know, really, nobody's that amazing. Play your music. Try to be a good person, and hopefully somebody will listen to it. You know, or not. You know, what do you do? It doesn't really matter to me one way or the other. I'm not going to stop playing music because. Right. I, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Mark Arm. Mark Arm mm-hmm. is was is is a Seattle guy. Um. He's a he's a one of the guys, <laughs> the lead guy, kind of in Mud Honey. And there was oh. a. I, I, I watched uh, and he's yeah, their sound is great. I mean I'd love to meet the guy he <laughs> said in this this documentary I watched on mud honey, he said, if you're playing music for anyone but yourself, you're fucked. It might be a little bit gauche, but the bottom line is I think what he was saying is you need to play music for yourself first and foremost, you need to play music because it's it's what. It, it's what
2: feeds your soul. Well, yeah, if you if you seek external validation, you might come up disappointed.
1: Yeah, exactly. If you're out there hoping somebody's going to like you, <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound like a bitter old husk.
2: Here. It's all right. You can cut a lot of that uh, out.
1: Yeah, you can. You can okay. yeah. It, it's kind of like you
0: doing what you do. You do it because you like it because you agree yeah. on it, right? yeah. That kind of falls right into the next question. What advice would you give somebody who is a new musician?
2: Oh, yeah, that was easy for me. What what you should do is, is learn just a, a little bit about music law. You don't have to to educate yourself to the point where you could actually qualify for a degree or anything. But um, it's good. There are a lot of books out there that um, teach you how to run your band business. And and those are great. Um, I think just not that you'll ever even need it or use it, but it it can keep you from making some stupid decisions. Um, I definitely made some dumb decisions early on, and um, just about gave away a lot of publishing and things like that. Um, and it, and I understand it's a trade-off, and you know business is business, and anymore i guess publishing is not that valuable but um but i just think it's a good idea to to educate yourself just a little bit and into that distasteful aspect of it
1: yeah rod's good at that he's he's got thick skin and he's knowledgeable and a lot more knowledgeable than me on that kind of stuff i i would say younger musicians learn how to speak the language of music you know if you need to if you're playing with musicians, you you need to be able to dis- discuss your trade. You know, so therefore you should know music theory a little bit, you know, and you should know what you're talking about. If I, I think you need to know, you know, your some solid scales. You need to know your chords. You need to know your dominant, your altered, you know, your major, your minor, your modes of the majors, you know, some music theory, I think, is a good thing to be able to. Uh, learn the language of music and then perseverance and believe in mm. yourself and then be a kind and compassionate person and not check your ego at the door because there's always a better player than you. I mean, there's always somebody who's better than you. And and that somebody might be a YouTube kid that's nine years old. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right. <laughs> Like the little girl in in that uh, Dave Grohl was like she's the best drummer out there yeah, right now. I'm talking
1: about uh, yeah, you know, but I mean, exactly. There you have it. You know, there's there's always somebody either younger or older than you that's a better player. So I, I would say just be be a good person. You know, be able to discuss music, and also not when people don't like what you're doing, don't don't take it to heart. Um, criticism and compliments are pretty much the same you know what I mean I mean Mm -hmm. if you're complimented that's a nice thing if you're criticized I I don't know I I tend to, to take them in the same category people criticize me I hear what they have to say and I analyze it in my mind if people compliment me I hear what they have to say and I analyze it in my mind it doesn't affect
2: ultimately what i think of myself or my music sure if you listen to that stuff too much it it can also stunt you um yeah i think it's yeah. it's it, that's another thing i would say is is don't wait until you've got things crafted to a a, a state of perfection yeah. that you may or may not achieve i mean play just go do it you know there's there's many times well we're not quite ready for this gig well you know uh you're gonna get ready. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> Elton John thought he wasn't ready for LA, and uh, wow, it's history. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sometimes I think that if you are too worried
1: about the perfection of it, you lose the creative spark of it. Hmm. You've got to balance that. Like you, yeah, you don't want to go up there and sound like an anus. But the bottom line <laughs> is that sometimes the mistakes that happen are okay. You know, and a lot of times you you want to be practiced I think I don't like messing up on stage it's embarrassing and it's yeah. I don't like doing it but I don't mind the, you don't either you're the, no way don't listen to him it's not true he does <laughs> like she's just she's like he's not, no like, he's harder on me sometimes when I like his being a drummer his time is a certain way mm-hmm. being a bass player sometimes you know I'm behind the beat or in front of the beat if I want to be or you know what I'm saying like it's mm-hmm. It's a little different there, but remember, music is supposed to be joy and beauty and art, and art yes. is production. right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you know, I'm yeah. sure the people that first heard Black Flag, some of them were like, whoa, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, like it's, yeah. Uh, you know, like some people don't like polka music, but the people that do dig polka music. I, don't I don't like, like polka music. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean, Raynell? Right. Now, right. I mean, yeah, I yeah, get it. Yeah, everybody, everybody has their, their likes and dislikes,
2: you know. Polka should probably be a label.
1: No way.
2: There's some people that really groove on polka.
0: Is that the music you would, like, clogs on and dance to?
2: You no, know, <laughs> yeah, you drink a lot of beer, I think, first. I mean, no, I, I, if there's I, enough alcohol
0: and some funky shoes involved, I could I, probably I, I get down. I
2: have dance. a lot of German <laughs> in me, so I, can, I, I think I can... Can say that stuff but, it's uh,
0: tuba and and you know
1: the bass does like a root and a fifth in polka you can you can you can like you can teach somebody to play the bass in polka tuba might be a little harder actually i've secretly always wanted to play the tuba
0: and then the last question i know you already told me a kind of a stage story but it is there a performance that sticks out in both of your heads is like you know either what the fuck just happened or wow that was amazing either one
1: you want to roll with Mm. this one
0: i I can tell you the one that that kind of blew me away a little
1: bit if you if you want here it is all right i won't ramble on too much (laughs) so we're playing in saturday market in portland oregon we had this gig that was right by the water all right it was right by the street Mm and Sometimes you'd smell the sewage would wafe up, and sometimes the stinky smell would blow over. But Saturday Market's like a giant carnival down there. It used to be every Saturday, crazy, whatever, weird. When our band, Navigate North, was playing there on a Saturday. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up and um, says, hey, hey. Uh, we were at a break. We'd just broken. And the guy goes, hey, I, I got somebody who'd like to sit in with you guys. Um... You should have him sit in with you. And our guitar player then uh was like, Nah, nobody sits in with us. Nobody touches my guitars. And I looked over and this guy uh was standing behind this tall guy that was standing in front of him. And the guy looked at me and he goes, No, you really want this guy to sit in with you. And um the guy kind of moved to the side and I thought that's somebody, that's like a rock star, but who, who is it? Who's, it? Who's this rock star? He, this dude looked like a rock star.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: long story
2: short. And I thought he had a nice hat. Yeah. Because I was like looking for another lid, you know. Yeah,
1: I right, right but... like this hat. And long story short, the guy that ended up sitting in with us was Joe Perry of Aerosmith. Shut the fuck up. God, no shit. This guy, and the guy filmed it and they were playing i think at sunlight theater that that night and the guy sat in with us took one of the our guitarist brian's guitars and sat in with us and we played a song by elton john called stinker and it was pretty rad and the guy just very chill we talked about horses he had a horse tattoo i have a horse tattoo very cool dude and then later they put it up like at the concert they put the they put him but we didn't know, you know, you never know who you're gonna meet. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you never know. This dude was cruising around. Joe Perry was cruising around the Saturday market in Portland, Oregon, and we got to jam one song with him, and and that was awesome.
2: Yeah, we found out later that he he likes to shop at one of the guitar shops down there, um, somewhere around Hawthorne, I think. But, huh. Um, and uh, that was why he was in town.
1: Um, they were doing a concert.
2: But it was it was funny. We were we were blown away by it. Yeah, it, I was we, blown we away. Didn't know what were we gonna play? And and uh, it was crazy. I'm <laughs> telling you, we picked <laughs> up a bunch of flats and yeah, it was crazy. It was a keyboard song, and uh, but he handled it like a pro.
1: So. Yeah, no, the dude is a pro. I mean, very nice man. Yes, he was a very nice man. He wouldn't he wouldn't remember us from Adam, but we will remember that always. It was like it was huge. I was like, wow,
0: wow. Hi. I'm on stage with Joe Perry. It's fine. Nothing out of the normal. Yeah, that the dude would want to come up and
1: sit in with some little street band, you know? That's awesome. That that was really cool that he would do that, I thought. I really thought he didn't have to do it. I mean, he totally didn't have to do it. And I thought it was cool that he did do it. And then also I got to meet Rocco Prestia. And Rocco Prestia was one of my favorite bass players you know he was really a monster from tower of power and i got him to sign really? my strap and he just recently died and he's gone now but that guy changed the way bass was played he was a finger funk maniac super fast yeah so he was so that so i feel like i've had I've met some really good people and i've i've learned a lot and i i hope to learn more you know i hope more is coming
0: Alright everyone, thank you so much for joining Sound Pollution with the Groovebirds this week. Please drop down into the description section below for all of their links. Make sure you show them some love. Also below, as I said in the intro, is the link to the Patreon page and the website and all that. So remember, be kind and make some noise.